Hey, thanks so much for listening to Sandals Church. Our vision as a church is to be real with ourselves, God, and others. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey guys, welcome to Sandals Church. So glad you guys are here. We're in a series called You, and today we're talking about the challenger. Most of you know who these people are because they have challenged you. Man, last week we had an incredible time. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but they tagged my sermon this week to Kevin Bacon, okay? <laughs> So it was, it was hilarious because as I, I read from Kevin Bacon, the wisdom of Kevin Bacon last week and all the sevens were parting, it's so interesting. Everybody over 40 thought it was amazing and everybody under 40 was like, who? So um, it was just really, really interesting each service as I talked about Kevin Bacon. Yeah, some people were like, I am not tracking. And then I said Ariana Grande and they're like, gotcha, gotcha. And then all the old people were like, who? So Welcome to Sandals Church today, and we're going to talk about the eights, one of the most misunderstood numbers on the Enneagram, and we need to thank God for them because they speak the truth to us. Listen, whether we want it or not. And so I just want to begin with an amazing, amazing story about one of the most fabulous eights in the Bible. There are many eights, but this one is the eight of all eights. Last week we talked about David, and David danced before the Lord. Anybody remember what happened? He got naked. Okay, and if you weren't with us last week, you're like, what's going on? Read the Bible. It's in the Bible. His priestly garments went flying off. His wife got upset, but he praised the Lord. And some of you are like, oh, I feel like that, that, that's going to go too far. Well, listen to me, sevens. Sometimes it does. Amen? And the sevens are like, never. Yes, constantly, always. Be careful. Okay? And so David, you know, he has this theme of nakedness. And so he dances before the Lord naked, and then he notices a woman bathing naked who's not his wife, and her name's Bathsheba. And so he's the king, and so he sends for Bathsheba, and Bathsheba has to come to his house, and he has sex with her. It's not his wife. Uh, she's a married woman, and, they, and she gets pregnant, and David tries to cover it up. He does everything he can to try to cover it up. And let me just tell you something. The worst thing to do with sin is to try to cover it up. All you do when you cover up sin with sin is you increase sin. And so it makes it worse. And so here's what David ultimately does. It's terrible. And sevens, I know this isn't you, but this is what David does. He has her husband Uriah killed. Okay, now he doesn't do it, but he's the king. And he moves Uriah to the front of the battlefield and then tells his troops to pull back. Here's this guy that's loyal to him, that fights for him. And, and David not only sleeps with his wife, but he has Bathsheba's husband killed. Think about that. That's what we do when we sin. We, we just keep trying to cover it up and cover it up and cover it up. And that's why as Christians, we need to take it to Jesus because Jesus is the only one who can cover your sin. So David thinks he got away with it. And a lot of you do too. And let me just say, young people, those of you who keep posting everything on Instagram and social media, you ain't never coming up, nothing. You're gonna be 70 years old and your grandkids are gonna be like, grandma, what were you doing? And you can't deny it because it's on social media. See, old people, amen, when we sinned, it's just a rumor. So that's all it is. I don't know what you're talking about. But listen to me, you young people, your grandkids are going to have physical evidence. They might even have video. So David tries to cover up his sin, but he can't. And here's the thing is you can't ever cover up sin. It always shows up. And so David thinks he got away with it, but God sends an eight. And let me tell you something. For those of you, you have a hard time with people with strong personalities. I have learned to welcome these people in my life because we all need somebody that will tell us the truth no matter what, you know, whether we want to hear it or not, amen? We need someone to just tell us the facts and just the facts. And so God sends Nathan the prophet. So in 2 Samuel, God sends Nathan the prophet, and Nathan comes to David. 
Now, when you're confronting the king, you gotta be careful about how you confront the king. And so Nathan tells David his story. He said, there were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle and the poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he bought. Okay, and everybody goes, ah, oh, right? He's already got us. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. And the little lamb ate from the man's own plate and drank from his own cup. Gross, gross. All you people that kiss your dogs, gross. Their mouths are cleaner than ours. Gross, no they're not. I seen my dog, it licks things I don't lick. Isn't that amazing? That's why we need eights. You're wrong, false, untrue. Your dog is nasty. Some of your dogs aren't even Christian, amen? You need to pray for your dog. So he's, he's sharing food with this lamb, which grows, but it's a story. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. Right now, it's just getting weird. But this is the story. One day, a guest arrived at his home of the rich man, but instead of killing the animal from his own flock and herd, he took the poor man's lamb and he killed it and prepared it for his guest. Yeah. And David was furious. As sure as the Lord lives, he vowed. Now, in the Old Testament, this is a big deal. He vowed. Any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. Isn't it amazing how we're all crystal clear on everybody else's sin? Like when, when somebody else sins, they gotta pay, but when it's us, we're like, I need grace. I need grace, what about grace? And David says, this guy's gotta die. Listen, to this. he must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. And this is the okay corral moment in scripture. Speaking of Kevin Bacon, this is the you can't handle the truth moment of scripture. All the young people are like, I don't understand. It's a 90s reference. And then Nathan says to David, you are that man. Boom. The Lord God of Israel says, listen, I anointed you as king of Israel and I saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not have been enough, isn't this amazing? I would have given you much, much more. And that's what some of you guys are doing today. You are missing out on the blessings of God because you are turning to the treats of Satan. And you're saying, oh, no, no, I gotta have this. And you are turning away from the blessings that God wants to give you. And God has blessed David. He's given to David. He says, why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah, the Hittite, with the sword of the Ammonites. You see, God knows exactly what we do. You might fool me, you might fool your wife, you might fool your friends, you might fool your husband. You are not fooling God. He said, you stole his wife and you had him killed. And from this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. Then David confessed to Nathan. He said, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for this sin. Isn't it nice to know that God still forgives us? no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, if you confess right now to your sin, God is willing to save you. You see, that's the difference between you and God. God knows how to give grace to others, amen? We don't. We wanna hold people accountable for the very same things we've committed in our hearts.
But God uses a challenger to challenge the king. You see, challengers speak to power. They are not, they are not concerned with your title, your position, your wealth. They are concerned with what they believe to be truth. The challenger reflects God's power. Psalm 71, 18. So even to old age and gray hairs, now don't look at mine. Okay, that's wisdom. Some of you, you've caused these. You, these gray hairs has your name on it. Okay, your little emails and your little concerns. You know, I just don't know where we're going, pastor. That's you right there. Some of you are so hard, my hair just fell out, amen? So even in old age and gray hairs, oh God, listen to this, do not forsake me. Until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those who come. You see, the eight reflects God's power. The eight shows us the strength of God. The eight stands for what they believe, even if no one else will stand with them. When the rest of us are ready to buckle, the eight stands up and helps us to find our courage. One of my favorite eights of all time, he helped the world find our courage when he spoke against Hitler. The world was willing to cower to Hitler and his armies and his power and his Nazi thugs. But a famous eight said, we will fight on the land, we will fight on the sea, we will fight in the streets and in the hills, we will fight everywhere and we will never, ever give in. That's an eight, that's an eight. Now, none of us want eight until we need one, amen? Where's an eight? I need one right now. We need eights to speak truth. One of my favorite eights in America, he's the Reverend Martin Luther King. He stood up to power and he said that I should be treated as equal. And he was willing to give his life so that we could see the sins we were committing at a nation. Man, that's the eight. When healthy, God bless you, eight, I love you. The challenger is strong and confident. You don't care what everybody else says. You don't care what everybody else is doing. You know what's right and you do it. There's been this test around for about 60 years. It's called the ASH psychological test. And I'm gonna show it right behind, right behind me. This is the ASH psychological test. Over here we have the line called X. And then we have three other lines, one, two, and three. In just a second, I want you to shout out which line is obviously the same length as X, okay? So we have the X length, we have one, we have two, we have three. If you're confused, ask an eight, <laughs> okay? So on the count of three, which number is most like the X? One, two, three. Here's the thing that you need to know about people. If I get a whole group that shouts one, over and over again, one, 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 all of you will eventually say one. You will lie to yourself to fit in with others. This has been proven over and over and over again. And this is why in our culture, we have, we have smart, intelligent people that believe in their hearts that there's more than two genders. Okay, I don't mean to be offensive, I'm just being real. If I was an eight, I would mean to be offensive. 
Listen to me. This is why we need eights. The eight says it's obviously three and the rest of you are morons. And they don't care if that hurts your feelings. That's why we need them. Because we can all get stupid, amen? We can all get silly. We can all fall into our group think, whether you're on the left or on the right, or you're just confused, okay? We can all fall into this. And we can make up information based upon the people that we hang out with. Eights call it for what it is. And let me just tell you something. If you're, if you're in your community group, you don't have an eight, get one. Okay, and they don't wanna be in your group. Your group is silly and stupid and full of emotions and feelings and it's ridiculous. It's a self-help group gone wrong. But you know what? They can help you get right. This week, I was kind of whining a little bit. I was having a little pity party. I know that's hard for you to believe because I'm so fantastically enjoyable. <laughs> but I was having a rough night and I was just kind of, poo-pooing and complaining. You know, remember that job you prayed for that you're just like, God, why'd you give me that job? He's like, because you prayed for it. You asked for it. And I said, yes. You're like, God, why do you answer me? And I was complaining, I was whining. And a friend in our community group who's an eight, he's like, just get over it. He said, get over it. He's like, your life is blessed. And he listed off like three things where I'm blessed. And I was like, okay, 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 okay. I'll stop crying. He's like, suck it up. Here's the things that are going great in your life. He's all, and focus on those things and forget about those people. You know why eights don't care about those people? They barely care about you. <laughs> it's true. Listen to me, the challenger wants the world to be more just. Don't we need more justice? We do. We need people to stand up for what's right. The challenger communicates directly they tell you exactly what they're thinking and feeling, okay? You don't have to say, you just give me it straight, give it to me straight. What you have to say is, I need you to soften the straightness with which you give, okay? An eight is a bull in a china shop, breaking dishes, but they're making things move, amen? They're gonna give it to you straight. And let me tell you something. My wife and I were talking about this, this this week. We live in a world that tells us what we wanna hear, but they're lying to us. You ever ask that? Are you gonna show up? They say yes, and then they don't come. Man, we, we have a culture that will lie to your face, and eight will never do that. Because an eight doesn't care about how you feel. They care about what's true. We have a huge problem in our church. People say they'll show up. People say they'll volunteer. Absolutely, totally, and then they don't show up. An eight, if they say they're coming, they're coming. And you better be ready for them when they come. <laughs> don't ever waste an eight's time. They don't wanna be here anyways. Right, amen, the world would all be better if we just did what they thought anyways. That's what I love about eights. I love about eights, man. They just lead from instinct. They're not led by their emotions and they're not led by your petty arguments. They just know what's right and they go for it. The challenger leads, listen to this, and influences others. And we need leadership. We got way too many nodding heads in, the, in our culture. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, it's just ridiculous. When I'm preaching, I never look at an eight's face because they're way too real. I mean, if I'm looking at an eight, they're like, oh, no, no, no. I mean, it's, it's just, it's haunting. I love you. 
I'm like, where are the sevens? They're like, you can do it. You can do it. The eights are like, you didn't do it. You blew it. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Here's why you need eights. Eights get things done. That's why we need eights in government. They get things done. Just, just, they just move through red tape. They move through bureaucracy. It's incredible what can happen when an eight gets in charge. The problem is eights can never get through a debate. You know why? Because they actually tell us what they think. You ever wonder why our life is the way it is? Because we always elect politicians who aren't eights. They're like, I believe in you. No one believes in you. I mean, God does. But they're constantly telling us what we want to hear. Listen to me, eights will tell you what you need to hear, whether you like it or not. Like if your doctor's an eight and you go in and like, do you work out? You're like, every day, really? Because <laughs> your blood work doesn't know that you work out every single day. An eight is direct and we need that. Here's the beauty of the challenger. A challenger is protective for those whom they see as vulnerable. Isn't that incredible? Eights will always step in. Man, when I was a kid, I know this is hard for you guys to believe, but I was always getting in fights. Okay, and no, it's not because of my massive physical appearance. It was because of the gigantic size of my mouth. Everywhere I went, man, I was always in fights. I rarely won, rarely won. And I remember the last time I got in a fight, man, I was in college and my mouth was just going, man. It was just incredible. And I was shredding people with words. And that led to an altercation outside in the street and it was me against five guys. Now here's the truth. I couldn't have beat up any of these five guys one-on-one, -on -one, <laughs> much less one-on-five. And out comes this guy, an eight. And he says this, Matt, I don't know why, but I feel like God has a purpose in your life. And he beat up all five guys. <laughs> and every time I still see him, every now and then, I just say thank you. And he just says, you're welcome. because I wouldn't be your pastor today if it wasn't for an eight. He whipped every dude, and I just stood there, challenged, yeah, get him, yeah, that's what I said. I didn't even throw a punch. And then when he was done, there were just bodies on the ground, he shook my hand, and I was like, thanks. That's what challengers do. He's like, man, this guy's got a big mouth, maybe God will use it for his kingdom and glory. Even when I was using it for the devil, you know what I'm saying? But the challenger, listen to me, a healthy challenger is always in pursuit of tenderness and mercy. Look, I know you're strong. Everybody knows you're strong. But do they know you have a heart? And here's the thing about eights. I say eights are like eggs, hard on the outside, but mushy on the inside. And once you can get in and you can discover their heart, you can discover who God's really made them to be on the inside. Man, they're wonderful, beautiful, amazing incredible people, and we need to thank God for these people. We need to thank God for them. When unhealthy, you're like, that's the only way I experience AIDS. <laughs> the challenger uses their power to dominate others and to get things done their way. They just run over people. When I was growing up, you know, I was a high three, so I'm always negotiating with my parents. He said, bedtime's eight. I'm like, what about 8.30? Can I get 8.15? Can I get 8.10? <laughs> and my brother was high, high eight. And my mom would say, whenever she was serving a meal, she would say, you can have this or nothing. 
And my brother as an eight, and if you wonder if you're raising a little eight, this is what it sounds like. My brother would say, I choose nothing. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I heard that as a kid. I choose nothing. It was amazing. Like I was always trying to negotiate. My brother was like, no, I will die for this. <laughs> it's incredible. And let me tell you something. If God's given you a little eight, you better grow up quick because they're gonna challenge you. Even when they're two, they think they can take you. <laughs> so you better deal with them while you're bigger. My brother would later on become a pastor at Sandals Church, and I kid you not, his nickname was Captain Thunder. <laughs> right? Nobody's ever referred to me as Thunder, you know? But that's what they called him. So when unhealthy, a challenger avoids, listen to me, being vulnerable. It's the scariest thing. Because you know what we do to eights? We attack them. We put them down. We say things to eights we would never say to anyone. We saw this with our last president. Regardless of how you felt about him, people said things to him that you would never say to a normal person. Attacked him, his family, his children. I mean, you know culture's gone too far when Hillary Clinton's daughter comes out and says, hey, stop, stop. This is too much. But you know, that's what we do to eights because we don't see them as people and we just go after them. And here's the thing, whether you know it or not, eights have feelings. They just don't feel safe in exposing them to you. And we live in a culture, man, where we just attack everything that's strong. And we need to realize, man, it is hard for eights to be vulnerable. And so we need to give them grace so they can be. The challenger is forceful and can come across, this is a shock, as insensitive. That's insensitive. Or combative. Remember our last president was an eight? You know, he didn't care what country you were. He went after Canada. <laughs> you know, he just woke up, ah, the Canadians. <laughs> he went after them. I mean, nobody even knows. I mean, if you're a Canadian, we love you, but nobody even knows you're there. <laughs> it's true. Our Canadian audience just went <laughs> But Trump went after you. He went after you. He goes after everybody. He doesn't care. And that's how eights can come across. You just, you just like a little blood in the water. You just like to, you know what? I'm gonna punch somebody today. Who's it gonna be? <laughs> but they're forceful, insensitive, and combative. And if you're not careful when you're unhealthy as an eight, you will be against everything. You're like COVID schmovid. Some of my sickest friends from COVID were eights. I'm gonna punch that virus right in the face. <laughs> well, you can't see it. How are you gonna punch it? Does it have a face? But you're so strong, sometimes you make decisions that unfortunately make you weak because you don't take things seriously. The challenger can be relationally clueless missing out on things like facial cues. So like if you're an eight and you're talking to me and I'm like, yeah, you're just like, yeah, yeah, keep going. No, 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 this is, no. 
Like eights, you gotta learn to read this. <laughs> this means stop, stop. That was offensive. You gotta learn to read non-verbal cues. Because here's what an eights believes. Well, if they wanted to say something, they would have said it. No, because you're scary. <laughs> you're scary and people are afraid of you. They're unable to read the room. So eights, when you're unhealthy, you can't always tell when you're losing. And people, unfortunately, won't tell you you're losing because they're afraid of you. And so you just lose and lose and lose and lose. So you need people in your life, eights, that love you enough to risk your wrath to tell you, you lost the room. You lost the room. The challenger doesn't see, when unhealthy, the value of opinions that disagree with, them, they disagree with themselves. They don't see the value in your opinion or my opinion or the experiences of others. You see, they're led instinctually by themselves. And so you've got to learn, listen to me, eight, as strong as you are, listen to me, you're not the church. You're not Jesus. You need other people. Now, if you're an eight, I love you. God bless you. This is like, I think this is the most challenging core sin for all of Christians, okay? And yours isn't the worst. It isn't. But, you know, in small group, it's a little unfortunate to be like, yeah, I struggle with lust. Everybody's like, thank you for sharing. You know why? We don't understand what lust is. Lust is not just sexual. Lust is the strong desire for things that are not yours. Okay? Husbands, you can't lust for your wife. Do you know why? She's yours. She's yours. I would say, wives, you can't lust for your husbands. But we all know that's probably not happening. <laughs> It'd be nice. It'd be nice. You know. I mean, pray about it. You know, that's all I'm saying. But lust, listen to me, lust is not a sexual desire for what's yours. Okay, if you're married, God said, go for it. It's good. You guys are each other's. Lust is the desire for a woman that's not mine. A desire for a woman that's someone else's. And that's what eights struggle with. It's not just a sexual desire. It is an appetite for power, for people, and for things that are not theirs. Probably the most unhealthy eight in the Bible is Samson, okay? Samson, right? God gave him beautiful hair. I used to have beautiful hair. <laughs> I posted a picture a couple weeks ago of me on long hair, and people are like, oh, bring it back. I can't, you killed it. <laughs> you did. But Samson had beautiful locks, locks of love. Women loved him. He had bulging muscles. I don't know why I did that, it doesn't help, but you know, just, Pretend with me for a moment. But he was an incredible warrior. But Samson's lust for things that were not his destroyed him, wrecked him. So listen to me, eights. God made you so strong, but you're not strong enough to defeat yourself. Only Jesus is. And it's not until the end of Samson's life that he realizes he needed God to defeat him. And Samson's life, listen to me, was as messy at the end as it was his entire life. Eights, that doesn't have to be you. That doesn't have to be your story. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control. 
Eight, you must learn to battle yourself. Because if you're waiting for us to do it for you, we're not as strong as you are. We'll lose. So you have to learn to battle yourself. You have to learn to regulate yourself. And you have to invite others to uh, give you their opinion on how you're doing. Because you're going to be like, yeah, that was pretty good. And everybody's like, no, I, I don't think so. Listen to this. He says, I discipline my body lest after preaching to others, I should myself be disqualified. Listen to me, eights. What good is it if you're strong for everybody else, but you lose your soul? You have to learn to control yourself. And let me just say this. Nobody's coming to do that for you. Nobody. You have to decide right here, right now, I'm going to learn to control my lust for things that are not of God. You have to make that decision. I can't do it. No one can do it. You must choose. And you're like, I can't. Oh, yes, you can because God made you strong. God made you strong. So what is the need of the eight? It's to be in control. And a lot of eights say, ah, no, 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 that's not true. Okay, well, let me flip it. Eights don't want to be controlled. That's why my brother, you can have A or nothing. He chose nothing. <laughs> I will not be controlled. I will not eat that vegetable. I would rather die than be healthy. That's an eight. And so you have to make a decision. It's okay to be controlled because let me tell you something, eights, if you can't learn to be under someone else's control, you can never be powerful in the Holy Spirit. You can never be a follower of Jesus because you know what being a Christian is? Giving up control. And you will make yourself miserable trying to carry things that only God can carry. Here's what eights fear the most being exposed. This is why if you're an eight, you don't wanna be in a small group. You don't wanna be with other people because if you let people close, they see your flaws and they can hurt you. Here's one of the things, a lot of us, here's the lie. We think eights can't be hurt. I actually just had to apologize to an eight this week. I know this is hard to believe, but I'm pretty quick with the teasing. <laughs> I know, pray for me. And I, I teased this person and it was a little zinger. And I could tell it didn't land well. And I said, hey, 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 I, I didn't mean to hurt you. I'm so sorry. And you know what they said? They said, oh, you didn't hurt me. I said, I'm gonna press in a little harder. I saw your face. I know it hurts you and I'm sorry. And here's the thing is, this eight was a woman. And I think in our culture, we are horrible to women, especially strong women. And here she is in a situation where her pastor teased her and it hurt. And eights, your defense mechanism is, I'm fine. Well, if you're fine, that's, that's fine. But if you're not, get real. And I had to press in again and say, no, no, no. I said, I have offended my wife thousands of times. <laughs> this week. <laughs> I am an expert on when I have hurt a woman's feelings. And I can tell that I have been successful yet again. <laughs> and I just said, I said, please forgive me. I said, you are amazing. 
You are incredible, and I am sorry. I'm sorry. And she said, it's okay. I said, okay. But just know, I am sorry. <laughs> so how can challengers be real with themselves? James says this, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful to you when he judges you. Eights, you have to learn to have mercy for the rest of us. We're not as strong as you. We don't know how to stand up to you. And you need to learn to have grace. Grace for us. Because you know what happens when you don't have grace for people? You run over them. You run over them. And I love you, and God loves you, but if you run over people your whole life, you will die alone at the end of your life. I can't, see, I can't tell you how many times I've been at the bedside of an eight as they're dying, and it's just me, a pastor they barely know, and them. And they spent their whole life building a business, building their wealth, building their kingdom. And as they die, they have to let it all go because the Bible says we come into this world with nothing and we leave with nothing. I don't want that to be your story. I want you to be surrounded by people that learned to love you because you let them see your tenderness. So how can the challenger be real with others? But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace loving. Listen to this word, gentle, gentle. Like if you're raising a child and you have a pet, be gentle. Don't kill the dog. Don't kill the cat. Be gentle. My friend's daughter, man, they had a cat. She, their daughter had scratch marks all over her because the cat was dying. And their two-year-old daughter's like, kitty cat, kitty cat, kitty cat. And the cat's like, Wah! Be gentle. Be gentle. At all times. You're like, it's hard to be gentle. I know, but the rest of us, we're wearing football pads just to be in the room with you. We love you, but we're padded up, amen? Gentle at all times and willing and willing to yield to others. Let me tell you this, my favorite employees in our church are eights, who have chosen to wield to me. It's true. There are best employees, there are best pastors, there are best ministers. For whatever reason, by the grace of God, they said, I'll work for you. I'll follow you, I'll trust you. I love them. They love me and they are honest with me. But let me tell you something. If you can't learn to be willing to yield to someone else, you're gonna miss out on fully yielding to the experience and power of Jesus. It is also peace loving and gentle at all times, willing to yield to others and listen, and it is full of mercy. Do you guys hear a theme? And let me just say this. As eights, I say this all time to eights. Now, when I was a kid, this is hard to believe because, you know, young people today don't know what it's like to drive a stick shift car. Yeah, they're like, what is this, you know? Well, right after the horse and buggy, they invented <laughs> stick shift cars. And my first car 
was a stick shift car. It was four gears and reverse. Reverse was you had to pull up, pull back, and, and you know, it was like impossible to find. But this is what I tell eights. As eights, you have to learn to find gears. Because remember what my brother would say? Do you want this or that? I want nothing! Two gears, yes or no. And their yes has a second gear, which is yes, sir! It's more yes or it's more no. You have to learn to adjust. You see, listen to me, eights. Oftentimes with unhealthy eights, you create false categories. You're like, it's A or B or C, which stands for Christ. There's always another option. Eights, lock yourselves into false dichotomies and you say, I have to go this way or that way. You need other people to say, well, maybe there's a third way. Maybe there's a third option. You gotta find gears when you're talking to your spouse, when you're talking to your kids, when you're talking to your boss, when you're talking to your friends, find a gear. And let me tell you something. I, I know this is hard to believe, but there's always a reverse. Back it up. <laughs> I have offended everyone in this room, and now I want to apologize. Okay, I've done that. Eight is my third highest. Okay, and I've, I've had to learn to say, I'm so sorry. I've offended you all. Because I know this is hard for you guys to believe, but I have opinions. <laughs> Unhealthy eights have go and go harder. You just run over people, and if they're not listening, you run over them again. That doesn't work. So how can the challenger be real with God? 2 Corinthians 12, 10 says this. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and in the hardships and in the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. Listen to this, eights. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Then I'm strong. Learn to say you blew it. Learn to say you made a mistake. Learn to say you were wrong. No one else is gonna say it for you because we're all a little afraid. You have to say it for yourself. And listen to me, people don't wanna follow somebody that's impregnable. You got your defense mechanisms up in your armor. People wanna follow someone that's real. And as an eight, the way you become real, it's not by getting stronger, it's by learning to admit weakness. It's okay. Your kids will thank you for it. Because some of your kids, if you're an eight, they say, I'll never can, I can never be like mom. I can never be like dad. And you know what? They're right. Because they see you as this incredible, gigantic, amazing person. Help your kids out. Help your family members out by saying, you know what, mom, dad, we make mistakes too. I blew that. And I'm so sorry. So how do you love a challenger? Okay. We're gonna close with this. I want you to notice when they're tender. Notice when they're tender, even if it's like almost tender. <laughs> Honey, that was, that was almost tender. We were almost there. Notice when they're tender, but don't flatter them. Eights hate flattery. I love it. I love it. Flatter, 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 flatter. Eights don't like that. Just, just give me it directly. Was it good, was it bad? Because here's the thing is, they think oftentimes our compliments are lies. So just be direct. That was great, goodbye, and walk away. <laughs> I mean, just as quickly as you can. <laughs> Number two, speak directly. And this is hard in our culture because everybody lies. Speak directly to them. 
This was my major leadership flaw early on at Sandals Church. As I was pastoring and leading eights, I was trying to, you know, like butter them up. They hate that. Just say yes, no, go away. Stop talking. Okay? You have to learn to speak directly to them, just like they speak directly to you. And it's terrifying. But you just have to say it. And here's the thing is, they'll respect you for it. They appreciate strong people. Which is the next point, you have to learn to stand up for yourself. You have to learn to have a voice. You never have to ask an eight for their opinion. They already gave it to you before you asked. <laughs> but here's the thing I've noticed about eights. When people are ganging up on them, and by the way, we love to do this, make sure you stand up for them. Say, hey guys, hey guys, relax. Relax, because it's easy to pick on them. It's easy to point out their flaws because eight's flaws are more obvious. The rest of us just have learned to hide them. Number four, don't assume they meant to be hurtful. It wasn't personal. I mean, some of you are just too sensitive anyways. Like, oh, that hurt. <laughs> Relax. Maybe they just had an opinion. Number five, understand that the world loves to attack them. They love it. Eights, we need you. God made you strong to protect the rest of us. God forbid we ever go to war again. I'm so nervous. I mean, have you looked at so many of our young men, Lieutenant Latte? You know, I'm just, <laughs> I, I, I'm a little concerned. I'm a little concerned. You know, we got Lieutenant Latte and Admiral Allergy. Oh, I can't, I can't, I, you know, I'm allergic to conflict. Hey, listen to me. Strength is a good quality. Amen. And we need them. We need them. Because they will protect us. And any culture that destroys those that God meant, God meant to protect us will not be a society for long. We need them. And we need to celebrate them. Here's what I would say to you, eights. Be strong, but become strong like Jesus. He knew when to be silent. He knew when to speak. And he knew when it was time to fight. And listen to me, he knew when it was time to die. As eights, you've got to learn to become like Jesus. And here's why. There has never been a stronger person on, in the history of the world than him. And God wants you to become like him. He wants you to become like him. So let's just close by just thanking God for eights today. And here's the thing is, we need to thank them, and they don't want it. They're like, yeah, don't touch me. <laughs> but we need to know, listen to me, our church is only as strong as the number of eights we have in our church. Because when we have a wolf, you send in the eights. You send in the eights. And they protect churches, and they keep us healthy, amen? So let's just close in prayer, and let's just thank God for the eights. And specifically, I just want to end with this. If you're a woman that's an eight in the church, I'm sorry, we have not treated you well. We have not. And I want you to know that God cares about you more than he cares about your gender, and I want you to know that there's a place for you at Sandals Church to lead and to protect, and I will do everything in my power as your pastor to ensure that your giftedness is utilized in our church. And we love you, and we need you. Amen? Because God doesn't, he doesn't just make men eights, okay? 
Some of you guys are like, yeah, I married one. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> okay, let's get to the prayer. All right, let me pray. Heavenly Father, in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for eights. They protect us. They watch over us. They lead for us. God, help us as a church to be a safe place for eights, both men and women. Let this be a safe place where they can become real, where they can become vulnerable, where they can be loved. God, help us right now to just share with them how much we love them and how much we appreciate them. No fluff, just direct thank yous for who you've made them to be. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.